0: Welcome to Philosophy Gets Schooled. I'm Simon Kirchin, a philosopher based at the University of Kent. I'm also director of the British Philosophical Association. This is the short summary episode on business ethics, Um, Elsewhere in the Philosophy Gets Schooled um, series, there's an in-depth discussion on business ethics, where I talk through a number of issues with a couple of of teachers, Toby Bowness and Michael Platt. Um, But in this summary episode, we're just going to summarise business ethics in general and summarise some of the um, discussions that we have in that longer episode. Um, Business ethics is is a really interesting area of Um, philosophy uh, and of moral philosophy. It only appears on the OCR religious studies specification in the applied ethics section um, but it might be worth thinking about if you're a philosophy student um, who isn't doing OCR um, and is thinking about an extended essay topic or perhaps you're doing business studies or economics uh, at A level or IB or whatever else you're doing Um, and this episode and the longer episode might might be useful for you. Okay, so here's just a few topics uh, that are relevant and that we discuss in that longer episode. So we start, first of all, by defining what a business is. So businesses come in all shapes and sizes. You can think about narrow things that we call businesses. You can also think about broader organizations um, because some of the topics that we talk about in business ethics actually refer to broader organizations. So some of the things I'm going to talk about actually refer um, or relevant to charities, for example, even though we might not think of them as businesses. Um, similarly, you can think about different sizes of organizations or businesses. So, we're used to um, self employed tradespeople, so your local plumber or electrician uh, or whoever it is that's a kind of business, a uh, kind of organization. Um, you might also have very small businesses or organisations where one person is running a business but they're employing two or three other people um, and those raise interesting questions but the majority of business ethics as a topic uh, and also as a topic in OCR um, specification focus on much larger organisations so it might be a much larger um, single location business it might be a multi-location business so let's say a, a string of high street shops with the same brand um, it might be a multi-country, global global organization. Um, those raise some of the really interesting ethical and philosophical issues. Okay, so in the longer discussion and when you're discussing um, business ethics, having defined or got a sense of the different types of businesses that they might be, then there are some interesting distinctions to make. One of them, first of all, is between stakeholders and shareholders or stockholders. Um, so we might uh, divide people into two broad groups so those people who have um, a legal claim um, on the finances of the organisation and particularly on the, on the profits but they might also have duties in some organisations if there are losses and then there are the wider, those the, those the shareholders or the, or the stockholders, the wiser, wider stakeholder group and stakeholders are people who have an interest in how the business is run in what it's doing even though they don't have a direct financial claim uh, on the business so uh, the example we use is Google so we all have an interest in what happens uh, in Google as a business in how it runs its algorithms uh, and so we can search for various pieces of information and things we might want to buy things we might want to investigate Um, and how Google is using information and using our information is certainly something that we should be interested in and have an interest in. But of course, most of us don't have a financial claim on Google, so we're kind of stakeholders really in what's happening in in Google, how it's running its business. And just thinking about those two broad um, categories of people um, gets you to think about the sort of legal duties and obligations And the other sorts of obligations perhaps that companies may owe to different types of people of course these are just broad divisions just a a very broad distinction there'll be quite a few examples of people who don't fit either category but it's something just to get you to start thinking and that's kind of typical in business ethics in general thinking about larger businesses and organisations also raises a very very interesting topic not just a topic for business ethics but a topic in general the topic is group agency or um, as we might refer to it here corporate agency so let's think about um, an individual person um, and away from business So you and I and lots of people we know have all sorts of intentions about things we want to do and sometimes they're explicit. So right now I'm recording this at lunchtime and actually I'm very hungry. I have an intention once I finish recording this um, short episode to uh, go and make myself some lunch. Um, Or perhaps sometimes we have intentions, but they're kind of implicit. Perhaps there's something gnawing away at me and I'm a bit grouchy and I don't know quite why I'm grouchy. It turns out what I really want is to get some lunch inside me. I just haven't formed that that intentional, that belief, that aim. Um, and there's all sorts of other things that go on, so uh, in other episodes we talked about killing and, and the sort of things that moral philosophers often talk about, so if you're thinking about individuals in courts of law there's all sorts of things where I can be accused of thieving or killing or uh, uh, lying, so committing perjury, doing all sorts of things and then there's a, an investigation Perhaps a criminal investigation is brought to a court of law evidence is presented and people try to ask me questions and try to discern uh, what my intentions were and then perhaps um, uh, people pass judgment and then perhaps there's a sentence and so on and so forth so when we're thinking about individuals there's all sorts of actions and intentions and beliefs and desires and wants that we have plans that we might form and then people looking on the outside make some uh, views about our intentions our beliefs and the plans we form and then we can be held accountable for what we might or might not do. Uh, And perhaps there's praise, perhaps there's blame, perhaps there's forms of of punishment. That's all of our system of thought is based on individuals. And And it's okay to make sense of the idea of individuals making plans and being held responsible in the way I've just articulated. What about businesses or companies or a corporate body? Well, actually let's think about um, different sorts of corporate body let's think about um, where there's an orchestra or a sports team who have been set out and there's a plan perhaps by one individual say a conductor or, a, or a, the manager of the team um, to set out the individuals and play in a certain way by like playing music or, or playing a particular sport um, So there might be a plan that's involved and people might be playing it, but there are other sorts of ways in which people come together to do things. Perhaps there's a sort of uh, ad hoc dance troupe. There's just lots of people who happen to be on the street and they all start dancing with each other. Or perhaps there's an improvisation comedy group um, or something of that nature. And there are these people who are acting in various ways. They're doing their individual actions, but it produces some sort of group outcome. And there's questions we can raise there about the extent to which we can think about group planning and group desires and group beliefs, because there's no kind of single group mind that's having a belief or plan. Although in some cases there might be an individual who organizes things and and imposes a plan on a group of individuals. We I'd also think about the responsibility that the group has and responsibility they might have for the outcomes. And there's questions here, very basic, important metaphysical questions about um, whether we can say that uh, a group can be held responsible and whether anything like group responsibility or group agency is something over and above what the individuals are responsible for what the individuals how the individuals express their agency or whether group responsibility and agency is just to be reduced to and understood through the actions the intentions of individuals there's a really basic question here and of course this then arises in the case of of businesses which are corporate entities and so we talk through this not just in part one where we we, uh, in the in-depth discussion where we're talking about this but it kind of has ripples through the other two parts as well we keep on coming back to it where we think about how can, can we make sense of the idea of there being a corporate agent and that makes sense in terms of courts of law about whether you fine um, companies um, I mean you can't put a, a company in prison you can put individuals in prison but you can't put a company in prison um, but there is such a thing as corporate manslaughter where people in particular roles, responsible roles might be uh, charged and then if found guilty convicted. So there's all sorts of very interesting issues going on here and as I I raise it as an exercise in the in-depth discussion, think about the various different ways in which beyond an individual groups can happen and groups can seemingly form intentions and groups can seemingly act make a list of them, think them through, think about lots of different sorts of example, then think about what this is like for businesses. Just to give you a flavor of what have some of the things that we then be discussing in business, about businesses in the in-depth uh, discussion. It might be that no individual person is responsible for a decision. Perhaps these decisions are made through committees and perhaps there's just uh, no kind of memo or email smoking gun you can put your finger on but it's clear that what happened is the company has done thus and so and so there's questions about how group agency helps us to make sense of those sort of situations and then how it might make us help us make sense um, think about praise and blame and, and even legal responsibility so that's a really really juicy interesting topic aside from business ethics just an interesting uh, discussion in philosophy but, but obviously it has Great resonance within business ethics. We talk about some other topics as well. It's not all about group agency. Um, So, in the second part, we talk about two topics which appear very clearly on the OCR specification. That's whistleblowing and globalization. So, whistleblowing you may have heard of. We first of all describe what whistleblowing is, which is basically bringing to the attention of people perhaps within the company, though people you may not have much to do with, but certainly outside the company about things that you don't agree with that are going on in the company it's got to be particular sorts of things it can't just be that you have a kind of grievance Um, it's got to be things where uh, you think the company is uh, not uh, doing something illegal or perhaps it's doing something um, immoral Um, and I I asked the teachers you know what do students make of this and some of them say well why is this an issue surely if there's something bad going on in the company you should just raise it but the question is um, there's a number of questions who do you raise it to and at what stage in any process do you raise it and you certainly have certain sorts of duties perhaps legal and perhaps even moral duties towards a company that you signed a contract with Um, do you want to raise the issue at all and indeed there's a there's a separate issue that raising this issue might bring with it a lot of personal cost it creates a lot of stress and anxiety for someone who is a whistleblower and may lead to them not just a loss of job but also um, problems in their, in their private life um, through stress and anxiety. So there's all sorts of things we talk through about the conditions of whistleblowing, what sorts of things you can blow the whistle about um, and when and where it's right to do so. But also we flip it around and think, you know, if you're running a good business, um, what does that look like? What sort of processes should you have in place so that um, people can, employees can raise problems internal to the company and have confidence that, they, that these people will be listened to and that things will be taken forward if judged right. Indeed, we, with whistleblowing, we wrap that into this discussion we have in part one and throughout about corporate social responsibility. So, what is it to be a good business? What is it to be a good company? And whether corporate social responsibility is um, kind of just uh, window dressing and perhaps cynical window dressing. Or perhaps there are some companies um, that really mean it what it is to, to really uh, go in with genuine corporate social responsibility and that leads us on also to another topic globalization so we think about what globalization is and, uh, globalization I suppose aside from business ethics is just being connected and seeing many people across the world many human beings from different cultures traditions countries um, as as fellow human beings and sharing these cultures and that raises all sorts of issues about um, the importance of culture and whether it's important to keep culture um, alive and vital and perhaps share it with other people, but still keeping it um, genuine and, and local. Um, and that's uh, an issue in, in business ethics about how globalization can bring benefits. So I can find out more about what's going on in the world, I can order lots of um, medicines and products and we can have lots of great supply chains so that more people are more connected and we learn more about each other all the time great but it could also bring problems as well it can threaten um, the local uh, local culture Uh, It could mean that whereas previously as a business person, I was rooted because of various legal and other barriers, I was rooted in my region and employing people here. Now, for a cheaper cost, I can employ people halfway around the world. Um, So perhaps I should just do that. But then what does that mean for not just people who are going to lose their jobs, um, but what does that mean for local cultures and networks? Um, there are some other benefits though of globalization, which we talk through a little bit as well. So obviously the are um, different com- countries, um, different economies and um, uh, polities are at different stages. Uh, and sometimes we're all used to the idea of outsourcing. So where a company um, seeks uh, not to employ people in its home country, but seeks to employ people halfway around the world. And perhaps the health and safety um uh, measures the law is a lot less lax, and some people think, oh well, the company's just taking advantage of lower costs because of those lower health and safety measures. But some people say actually, and globalization and this sort of outsourcing can be a benefit. It can be benefit for the people in the local region you've just gone to because in fact they've got a job. Um, but also one way in which occasionally health and safety measures improve in a country is if new companies come in from a more developed country and can say hey you know we want to employ people but the education levels have to rise the health levels have to rise and we want to be employing them in good buildings that does happen although as we say in the in-depth discussion perhaps it doesn't happen often enough so there's kind of pros and cons there uh, we also discuss a couple of other quick topics towards the end in part three, uh, which also on the OCR spec, we think about what it's like to be in, uh, in a capitalist society and to be conceiving of oneself as, as a consumer. After all, I'm many things. I mean, I'm, I'm, I've got my family relations, I'm a, I'm a husband, and I'm a father, and I'm a son, um, but also I'm many other things. I'm a citizen, I'm a producer, I'm a creator, I'm a thinker. I do all sorts of things. I'm also a consumer, I I buy things every so often. But you can see over a period of time, particularly over the last uh, 50 years or so, that the idea of being a consumer, of consuming product has become more and more um, prevalent. So nowadays, we might refer to people still as viewers or listeners, but we're more used to the idea of people consuming media content. And how does that change our view of ourselves if all we're doing is consuming, consuming, consuming? Of course, a point we mentioned in the in-depth discussion, being a consumer can also bring with it lots of power. Because if I'm consuming something, I don't like what I'm consuming, then hey, I'm just going to move, I'm just going to switch, um, and that can be, bring with it quite a bit of, bit of power. And um, But what is it to constantly think of oneself and conceive oneself? And frame oneself and everyone else as consuming things um, and we link that to, to, to the issue of capitalism and then of course uh, last we do something the OCR specification so mentions which is linking business ethics to um, uh, more familiar um, Stances in normative ethics, in particular consequentialism or utilitarianism and Kantian deontology. We think about the consequences that businesses have to think about and then the duties they might have to various people, such as stakeholders, such as shareholders. Um, and we think about um, how that plays with some of the other topics that we've been, we've been talking about in the rest of the episode. So I hope that gives you a quick summary of business ethics in general and gives you a flavour of what we're discussing in the in-depth discussion on business ethics. Um, Please check out that in-depth discussion. I hope you enjoy it and I hope you enjoy listening to the other Philosophy Get Schooled episodes as well. Thanks.